Today's guest is Mandy O'Brien of Bombard's Body Language. Mandy is a fascinating individual, and I wanted to look her up when I saw her work online doing body reading. Now, over time, she's been a little bit controversial and actually was thrown off of YouTube with her original channel. We'll go into that later. We also talk about a previous guest, Professor James Fallon, whom she did a reading on, and her observations are quite fascinating. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I did actually no editing whatsoever because I wanted Mandy's message to be clear and for there to be no changes or anything else out there. So I present to you, Mandy O'Brien. This is Unstructured. How are you doing, Mandy? Thanks for coming on. No, thank you for having me, and we're doing good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I understand that your family has grown recently. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that I'm not covered in puke, so. (laughs) A pukeless day is always an improvement. Yes, because earlier I was. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I came across you. And doing research, because I've had a lot of body language people on, I'm very fascinated, not just with body language, but I'd say communication as a whole. I have a theory that relates everyone from Zig Zig Ziglar to Jim Jones. And I think that it's all a spectrum um, through communication, manipulation, both reading body language or I've had Mark Bowden on. He's almost, he's a great reader, but he's also a master projector out of body language. He uses it to manipulate and shows politicians, et cetera, how to do it. Yeah. I hate that, but yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, it's what he does. He's an actor and it's kind of funny where people come from. Um, I've had Chase Hughes on Chase Hughes. He ran prisons in the Navy. So he's very law enforcement oriented. A lot of body language people seem to come from a law enforcement side. And their trajectory is a little different. So it's very fascinating to me about how the different paths go. And then reading body language goes hand in hand with negotiation and interrogation. Yeah. Because is it working? Can you tell? I don't know. Do we push that button or not? And that's where projecting actually is useful as well. I think you'd agree. Yeah, I do agree with that on that one. Something and, about swindling people just rubs me. Oh, <laughs> Well, not every politician is necessarily swindling everyone. Yeah. (laughs) He also works with corporate people. Like A a great example of it, actually, is he had um, a Russian. He's Canadian. He had a, a Russian who came from the Soviet bloc, and he did not get along well with other people. Because they would say things like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Vlad. I'm going to use Vlad because, you know, why not be stereotypical? Yeah. And you'd kind of glare at them or not say a word. Because in Russia, you don't say what you're doing over the weekend. That's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody may show up to your house. What if you're having a birthday party? A relative may get brought in. It, It is, you know, a completely different environment. But here, you add that with a Russian accent, uh, doesn't go over well. (laughs) <laughs> no, it doesn't. I can see fixing him. So. 
So there you go. And so culturally, you know, he could work with him and, you know, like overnight, you know, helped to transform him. Now, your specialty, I'll have to stop talking soon, is to read video, it appears, of not just politicians, but anyone. Yeah, pretty so, much. And what what drove you into this? Well, I, I guess uh, what drove me into it, I didn't have a very happy childhood. And I... I believe personally, just from the people that I've spoken to, that the trauma puts you in a different mindset. You pay attention a whole lot more. Okay, you well, zero in you, on people. And like then, of you're course, a tuning fork? Like a tuning fork. And then I went through medical dealing with patients, and it actually became, well, a nice tool to sit there and look at these people because a lot of them were mentally ill. Really? What were you doing exactly? Uh, dealing with the elderly, pretty much. Okay, so is a lot of dementia, Alzheimer's type of thing? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Oof. Then you'd get just, well, the other problem to that is we got a lot of homeless in too because it was the only way for them to get off the streets. And if you had a really good social worker, but there was no housing for you, they would figure out a way to use one of your disabilities to get you into a permanent home. So then, wow. of course, then you got the mentally ill. Okay, so how long were you doing that? For too many years. I don't want to get too much into it because you know how the trolls are. <laughs> the trolls, okay. I don't want to narrow anything down. <laughs> I understand. I believe you worked in law enforcement for a spell? Very short spell. That was before the uh, nursing. And just a uh, beat cop or? Just, a, just that. Okay. I didn't, I did it wasn't, it wasn't my forte, so to speak. And I had met someone and moved on with my life fairly quickly. Mm, okay. It's interesting you brought up the medical. Um, previous guest I had on, uh, Scott Rouse, mm -hmm. learned body language from his father, who was a doctor. Yeah. When you and, sit there and you, you deal with these people, and especially when, when pain is involved, if you've got someone in pain and um, they don't really know where it's at because it's one of those pains that radiate out, mm -hmm. and you literally have to watch them, it's like it's over here somewhere. Or the other one that likes to come through is they turn vicious. It's like they don't even tell you they're in pain because they don't even know they're in pain. They just turn vicious. That's going to be hard to cope with. It was. <laughs> it's to drive a person to drink. <laughs> Thus, you're not in that field any longer. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could not imagine that. The uh, short spell that both my parents were in a nursing home was not one of my favorite times. Yeah, I you sit there and, and looked at it. It's like, there's a reason you're here. If you have family, there <laughs> is a reason you're here. Because... Those that have family that are nice and they, you know, they're, they're at home. They're being taken care of. True. But it, it's very difficult. Like my mother had advanced Parkinson's. You, you can't, it's very difficult to take care of her. Oh yeah. And for that, yes, obviously I'm more or less talking about the ones that came through the homeless brigade or oh, the well. mentally <laughs> ill, you know, those kind. Yeah. That has to, ugh, it has to be a challenge. Now on that, 
is it a case that a lot of um, them were just off meds and that they could potentially level out if they were taking meds? I You know, they'll get on meds. It actually doesn't make them a hundred, but there's no hundred percent. If let's put them on a scale zero, they're off the meds and they're just off the chain. A hundred percent normal person. Mm-hmm. They'll go from zero to the at most 60%. Mm. They're, they're never quite right. They don't, they do not act normal. They, and even when they're on the meds, when they're off the chain, they're just attacking everything and anyone. When they're on the meds, I swear some of them, depending on what their deal, what their medical was, their mental state, it was like they'd be just honed in their psychopath. They would be more into self and then they would just hurt those that didn't or didn't provide. So if you were someone that gave me something or helped me or was a funnel for something I want, I'm going to be nice to you. But as soon as you became not that person anymore, they just wiped you off. Then you'd be the one they would attack. Sounds kind of hopeless. Pretty much. This is why I advocate that we need to bring the mental hospitals back. Well, that, that is a theory of mine. It, in the 80s, I kind of aged myself a little, and before, it was one time that the uh, left wing and the right wing got along. The conservatives and the liberals, shall we say, all agreed. And it was a matter of the conservatives didn't want to pay for it. And the left wing said they should be free. And that was and insane. So and thus, that is a lot of the homeless problem to this day, I believe. Yeah, it, that to me, that's just insanity because it's like they're the ones running the show. And don't be mean to them. You don't want to lock them up. It's, they need to be locked up. And I don't mean in a sense of chaining them to a bed. But these people don't function well in society. You've set them up to fail. They're homeless. They're sleeping in the streets. They're doing drugs. They're catching diseases because of the drugs. You haven't set them up for success. Yeah, and they're not getting better. No, they're not. I mean, just the hygiene and the disease problems and everything else, that can't help them. Mm -mm. And even in a facility-type environment, there's going to be problems. There's going to be attacks because they're mentally ill. And it's True. going to be, some of them, it's not going to be pretty, which you have to do to either protect other people or themselves. And I think people need to get over that hump. Some people just bite themselves. I mean, I've seen one individual literally bite a chunk out of themselves. Wow. That's with meds. <laughs> Good times. So from there, you, I guess you're a mom primarily, right? Yeah, pretty much. Now I'm just a mom. I'm not just a mom. I mean. No, we, uh, I'm just a mom on a crusade to have the world wake up and start looking at people to be people and not in a drone society anymore. Okay. And is that the mission of the channel? Yeah, I guess pretty much. I just, I want people to wake up, start looking around. You know, we've gotten so used to staring at screens that people don't really read each other anymore. They take offense to everything. It's like they look at that one through 10 on what's your pain today scale, and they can't figure out anything outside of the smiley faces and frowny faces. (laughs) That's true. 
and that's something that I, I've come to realize is that a lot of what you do, we're wired to do naturally. Mm-hmm. And well, probably as soon as three or as recent as a hundred years ago, we were probably doing it. Yeah, people. Oh my gosh, you watch the shows because many people sit there and sent me the old timey stuff like way back when. People read each other. And if you listen to them speak when they would have speeches, they would talk about it. There was a one I was watching of Reagan and they were talking about how they knew when whatever delegate they were dealing with was getting bored. He would start staring at the ceiling and tapping something. (laughs) They read people back then and was open about it. It wasn't some kind of, ooh, magic. Did you ever um, look into criminology? Uh, Briefly. That's that's kind of similar, too, where they literally were saying, okay, uh, that general is now two away from, you know, whoever, uh, Gorbachev or whatever. And he was next to him last time. And he's tilted this way. And I mean, so there, there's actually people who would study that completely to get an idea. Hey, what, what's the vibe over in the Soviet Union? What's going on? Yeah. Who's in favor? Who's out of favor? Who can we approach? Who can we? I think they still target? do that. <laughs> well, I would hope that they wouldn't throw something like that, like that away. Anyways, it's very, well, some would argue it's being done to us. Uh, yeah. okay. Probably more effectively. More than likely. I would sit there and say that the one thing about when you try to automate or when government gets in control, they they micromanage and they forget the big picture because people are group. People groups. People equals herd. People, if one may act this way, but you get enough around and they'll change no matter how much and go in the direction of the herd. And I think governments forget that. True. Well, it, uh- I don't know. It's it's. Well, look at it now. Just look at MSM. They Uh, have had the the reins. Excuse me. Mainstream media or yeah, anything mainstream. I I just call it MSM, but anything mainstream. Period. Whether it's science or or healthcare, anything. Mm -hmm. It used to be that the talking heads at the top, you know, the ones that you went to university, that were everyone in your mind would say they're the ones of authority. And people would blindly follow them. And then all of a sudden, the internet comes in, and no longer are they the only authority. Now they're looking at other theories, looking at other news, looking at other talking heads. But at the same time, there are authority figures, and they are actually shaping the message. They're dry. It's like... um, how would I? I wouldn't say they're driving a message in the sense of right or wrong or left or right. It's not. It's not that plain. Let's see a good one. Venezuela. We'll do Venezuela. Okay. Maduro. Now you can have the message is Venezuela bad. Venezuela socialism. Venezuela the poster child that we need to go out and get him because he treats his people awful. Okay. That's the MS M message. But then you have all the little ones going around going, yes, we dislike and they're having discussions on it. So instead of like this push forward in this direction, the herd is circling 
and they're in agreement that they don't like what's going on, mm-hmm. but they also don't like regime change. So, do you understand? It's the war aspect is the demonized instead of glorified in the MSM. Well, I think that's an interesting case. Um, I would almost say that there may be a confusion, and there's history. Uh, it's like a we were kind of into regime change there for a bit. Yeah, that's that's the whole beauty of people talking. <laughs> you know, ask uh, Gaddafi. Ask uh, a, a lot of these folks. It, the problem I see is that we're selectively into regime change. I think yeah. the the government is selectively into regime change. The American public is tired. Yeah, there's a definite isolationist bent there. Yeah, and I think some of that got Trump in there. It probably. I mean, as a mother of a Marine, I'm just, yeah, I don't want him over there dying. It's like, unless they're attacking us, I really don't care. <laughs> I, t- I don't want him over there. So on that, wow, we're definitely going different paths here. I do feel the message is being controlled and it's not necessarily by government. And you've been a victim of this. Um, Oh yeah, it's not Jack Dorsey is uh, head of Twitter. Twitter is a quote well, public private organization because they're owned by you know, shareholders, but it is a corporation, a private entity, and they are they damn sure are shaping a message. Yeah, by banning people and allowing others, that is shaping. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of I don't really disagree with what they do with their platforms. And to me, that just goes into the basic freedom that this country gives that if you have, you know, your business, you run it the way you want it. If you run it into the ground and you scare away all your customers, well, that's your problem. I think we get into the part where you limit any other social media rising up by whatever Mm -hmm. means you do it. That's Kind of that to me is a big no no because then you're monopolizing it and that goes against our laws regardless. You cannot be a monopoly. But I don't blame Jack Dorsey for doing what he does in that aspect. But I also don't like the fact that no other social media can rise up because of the monopolism. Which is enabled by him. And let's be honest, he has taken advantage of the situation. He's out oh, yeah. there trying to do it. Um You've suffered directly uh, from YouTube. Oh, yeah. I don't like that either. But at the same time, it was like, even when it was happening, my partner would get upset with me. And I would be like, it is their right. I just wish that there was something else out there. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you have a libertarian bent. I, I guess be, I'm a libertarian, but I, I believe in taking care of people. I also sit there and look down the path of where we're going that pretty soon we're all going to be automated. There's so much automation and there's going to be so many out of work just from automation and not tomorrow, not in five years, but sometime this century. So you're looking at the, what they call the job apocalypse. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm very curious about it because I, I can understand the libertarian side of it, but then I also see the other situation where the network effect has taken place and, has been supported and endorsed. Take, for example, can you start a competitor to Amazon right now? 
No, and I think Walmart's trying. Right, and they're established. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Walmart's been around a long time, and, and they're flailing. And the problem with Amazon, and why I bring that up is, People think of Amazon as, oh, they sell a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But Amazon is also S3. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever heard of Dropbox, you ever heard of all the startups, they're all running on S3. So Amazon sees, hey, who's using our server stuff? Oh, let's get into that business. Hey, uh, ring.com. Ooh, a lot of traffic going there. We'll buy them. Uh, see, that's that monopolism that I don't like. And I well, think that is the our pro- government needs to take a hold of that. Well, and there, therein lies the issue. So when, when you're talking about um, a business should be allowed to do whatever they are, well, they've already been assisted to get to this level and everything else being tamped down. So how do you mitigate that? Uh, Facebook and Instagram are the same company. All these people are saying, you know what? I'm getting off of Facebook. I'm just going to go on Instagram. Genius. <laughs> you know what you, you you talk about that and um gab i'm on gab too and gab is probably one of the ones that isn't any no, of those that's the hate site remember yeah i know it's the hate site because but at the same one time, guy who was also on twitter was on gab <laughs> well the guy was crazy but he's also on twitter but it's very interesting because twitter is established and so they say he was on Gab. Gab gets a black eye. It's not necessarily fair. No, it's not. It's not fair. I, I think when you, but you know, we're also dealing with inflated numbers too in the bots. Sure. I've sit there and looked at some of these accounts and it's like, you look just at the numbers when they got a really good retweet. And then they have something just as good, but there's nothing there from, and it just says something's not right. And mm-hmm. all I can think of is that's their advantage too. But I think also the monopolism is in that. I can't really speak on what will fix it other than all politicians need to be on all social networks and retweet or share the same thing across every one of them, regardless of what site it is. Well, and okay, that's an interesting point, and we'll segue into it. You and I, before we got on, we're talking briefly about how um, there's a very tribal situation going on, and a lot of people who are dirty, who are kind of, shall we say, bad actors. Well, every villain is a hero in their own story. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't necessarily think they're doing a bad thing, and I think we agree that. What happens is I get hired by an organization and that organization is looking for more people. They ask me for a recommendation. I recommend my friend who I went to school with or we have similar interests, similar beliefs. They go to work there. So now there's two of us. We're pretty close in alignment. And that happens over and over and over and over in the organization. So then now everybody's speaking the same way. And this could be right, left. You see it at universities and news stations, et cetera. I feel like we're further polarizing. And some of that has been proven out by even Jack Dorsey himself saying that, yeah, uh, liberals don't follow conservatives. 
Well, that's that's not an unnormal thing. See, that's not unnormal. Even if there was no tech involved, even in your own neighborhood, certain neighbors are going to congregate together because they're the yard. This is my yard. It's so perfect. Oh, I've got such lawnmower over here, blah, 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 blah. And you got the neighbors who, you know, they're the hillbillies from hell. And they all congregate together drinking beer and revving their lawnmowers or motorcycles or whatever thing that they are working on. That just happens normally in real life. The thing that has been polarized so badly is that nobody can respect anyone else's opinion. The hillbilly down the street can't come talk to the posh yard man on the other side because they can't talk and not fight. And that's where it needs to stop. Stop fighting and just talk. (laughs) So what do you do? Uh, Well, you, well, I guess that's just a a street that you've got to stop MSM from demonizing, calling things out. They're bad because they want this and teach people in a controlled setting via a discussion network. Things need to go back to discussions. There shouldn't be any more screaming on TV. There shouldn't be anything that inflates one side for being evil. Those protests, regardless of what side it is, you glorify the calm protest by giving them more airtime. And the ones that are acting a straight fool, you have to ignore. They go to jail when they're destroying property. And that's all you hear about is them going to jail. You do not go, oh, this is wonderful. They're fighting a regime. It's like, uh, no, they're breaking the law. They're throwing things at other people and giving them whatever injuries. You're glorifying that by giving them the airtime. Because regardless, if it's bad attention or good attention, that mindset just wants attention. So how do we get back to that? Because it was closer to then at one time, but that was a cultural thing. Culturally speaking, we had agreed upon rules, again, culture, to where, oh, you had to talk to somebody and don't raise your voice too much. Sure, there would be fights here and there, but we as a country in general had a, a cultural contract to at least listen or pretend we're listening to the other side and and things like that. But that some of that has gone out. You mentioned, okay, the news needs to cover the peaceful protests. They need to cover the Martin Luther King March and not um, not somebody looting a store, for example. I, I would even go further. I mean, you sit there and you can do the, the pussy hats and all of their protests and them marching around. Okay. Okay, just this <laughs> no was their protest. This is what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And they're being pretty peaceful. You show that. And then you can have the 2A people with their peaceful protests walking around. And then you'll either get, well, I haven't seen the 2A people do it, but let's pretend that they've done it. They get onto the microphone and they make inflammatory things of shooting things Who are up. Two ways? Uh, Second Amendments. Okay, thank you. <laughs> there you go. They get on the microphone and they say something really ridiculous, like, you know, they're coming into schools, we're going to shoot them back, or, you know, just, you know, and I hate to sit there and say inflammatory words, but it's kind of like, 
don't give that a whole lot of attention, that part. Because we don't want to sit there and give the image in the mind of bullets flying and killing people. Right. And then on the other side, you've got, and I know this one, Madonna, or was it Madonna? Well, it was one of the actresses talking about bombing the White House. You don't want to give that attention either. Right. You just want the peaceful stuff. So if you get the news to sit there and go, oh, the guy who's sitting there telling people about shooting things up, if people walk around his kid with a gun, he needs to get a fine or or something, inflaming people to attack. Mm -hmm. And the person who's saying they're going to go bomb the White House needs to be fined or thrown in jail. One of those two. They, you cannot let people go free. And that's the other part that's been happening. They've got this rhetoric going on. They've got these, uh, protests, these violent protests, and there's no consequences. The culture doesn't see consequences. You have to show that there's consequences to this behavior. How do you unring that bell? It's it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy (laughs) bell to unring. You've got a mainstream media right now, as you put it. And they're rewarded by this. They get eyeballs and they get money. They don't get money by showing a peaceful protest and saying, well, look at them. Those are some nice hats. I personally prefer free the nipple. But anyway, (laughs) they're marching peacefully. That's good. No. Click new channel. Let's yell about whatever. Yes. So there's already a reward mechanism. And it's very hard to say, okay, do we then say, no, you cannot profit off of that. You're going to be government-controlled news? Well, now that's propaganda. I don't want to go down that path. The public's already punishing them because their numbers are dropping. So it's already started. The bell, it's going to be painful to get back to where we were. But you already have a generation that is looking like it's going to be very conservative. And I I don't really like using the word conservative, but they're much more level-headed. They're much quieter. They're much more respectful of different views. So you've already got that in place. They MSM is dying and there's a generation who grew up with it and saw the damages of it and they don't want none of it. So it's going to be easier, but it's going to be a very long road. And one of the things that has to happen now is consequences so that they sit there and well, one, they don't lose hope. And two, it helps them when they start raising their own children to raise them in the culture that they're comfortable in anyways. A friend of mine has a saying that he quotes. It's not, it's not his, he quotes it, but I think it's true. And it's science moves forward a graveyard at a time. Oh my gosh. You know, when I was a kid, you know, you say that I read an old encyclopedia. It was like this long of, I don't know, 27 books, the old encyclopedia. I was old enough to have one. Yes. Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> yes. And then I read the newer versions and it was, oh my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're behind. Well, the key on that is, I think, culture too. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of set feelings. I mean, there, there's still problems out there. And as each generation dies off, we kind of slowly shift, slowly move the ball. And you mentioned mainstream media dying. I think that is a case of... Alternative media, but it's kind of like, remember the the worry about the cord cutters for the cable companies? Oh, yeah. Well, it's really not the cord cutters they had to worry about. It's the cord never-havers. <laughs> yes. 
because what is happening is the older crowd is dying off who all had cable and the quote kids coming up never got it. Yeah. That, that is, oh my gosh, that is so true. And then you look at it, how it's happening. I mean, I get my TV and there's apps all over the place for free TV everywhere through the internet. Oh, sure. You don't even need that. So the only thing that's tethering people now is the internet. And that, I mean, with, without the, if the draconian rates went down, I, I remember the days that it was like, I got to get off my iPhone and get onto the Wi-Fi because it's driving me crazy. Yeah. There are times now I have to flip it off of the Wi-Fi so I can download the stupid video because the Wi-Fi is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's completely reversed. I mean, LTE is incredible and we're looking at 5G coming down the pike. If we could find a way to price that out or be really competitive for real, yeah, then the wire could go away. And the internet prices today are just, they're insane. I'm looking you know, close to $200 just for my own bill, just for internet. And that is because it is a regulated industry and it is being held up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I want to move in with another carrier to compete, I can't. No. No, it's like squeezed out everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate. I'm on Fios. Oh, I've never even heard of them. It's a Verizon, actually, but oh, it's fiber. All I've ever heard about, even in Tennessee, was Cox. Oh, we had Cox. I had Cox, too. And it's they're the rudest company on the planet, except for three years ago, they started to get really polite when Fios moved in. <laughs> you know, I was, I was sitting there, you talk about Cox like that. I was about to send you an email through my data on the phone because the internet's been going on and off all day. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Darn thing keeps going off for like an hour. <laughs> okay. Well, we better you know, take advantage of what we have. <laughs> so wait, let's, let's spin into that because I, I, I want to talk body language. I want to talk basic methodology. Um, you got into it kind of intuitively as a kid and then just sort of carried on. Have you read up on it? Have you done a lot of studying on it? You know, not on the body language. I never read anyone's book. Never. Because, you know, when I was a kid, when I was actually looking into learning new things, then you know, I got older, I just, you know, didn't care about school. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you people didn't teach me anything when I was there. And you're not teaching me anything now. But these people, um, not to down them in any way, but they talked on how to teach people to read like big signs. I was looking for the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. Like what is that person actually thinking? Do they actually regret what they're saying? Not just the telltale signs of, Oh, he's into me. <laughs> oh, he's confident. The thing I so see you're, it sounds like you're reading into you're reading motive into yeah. it, which can be dangerous too. Yeah, it can be. I I just look at it as, I guess, from the childhood, my biggest driver was, did they actually know what they were doing? Did they care? Or were they as damaged as some other people were? Could you trust them? Well, you never can trust them because they're... Or were, or were they safe? Would that be a better... Yeah. Safe, D, or how safe... It's like, how safe are you next to a snake? Are you safe You're next not. to a snake about five feet, or are you safe next to the uh, safe next to a snake 
who is in a cage. I'll take the cage every time. Yeah. And but then you got you got to identify: are they a snake? True. And on that note, um, a previous guest of mine, you actually have done a, a reading on, uh, Professor James Fallon. <laughs> He's a nut. <laughs> well, the the irony of it is, in your reading and what was going on, there were so many layers of abstraction to it that it's mind-blowing. So. Can you give a, a baseline of what you're reading? And then, you know, I'll go back and forth with you on it. But why were you even looking at a video of him? Oh, most of these people are because someone that subscribed to the website sent me, please do this one. Okay, I'll do this one. Okay, so what's the process? Uh, tell me about that. That's interesting. Uh, most of the time, I just watch them. I'll sit there and just watch and comment as I go. I don't, it's very rare that I pre-watch something and then sit down and do a video on it. So people subscribe to the site and part of the service you offer is you can send me a video and I'll just tell you what I think. Pretty much. I'll tell you what, some of them have Pacific V, Pacific, like questions. Is this Mm -hmm. person telling the truth? I'm like the, well, right now I'm getting a whole lot of cappy ones. So I had to do him. Was he really, did he really commit suicide? You know, people want to believe that he didn't really kill himself. Hmm. Who is this? Uh, Isaac Cappy. He was in the movie as a, like a stand-in um, Thor and... Oh, is he the guy who jumped off the bridge in Arizona or something? Yeah. Well, how, how would you know if you weren't there at the time he was about to jump or not jump? Oh, he apparently did a video. He said it would be his last video on Periscope. Okay. And that was the one I was sent on him. Oh, that's a cheerful topic. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I kind of looked at it as an opportunity when I saw it. Cause I don't, I don't agree to do all of them. Some of them is just like, oh, I'm not doing that. But him, you know, I, I liked him. His I always look at people who care about how they affect other people, even when they do wrong or something heinous. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, at least they're conscionable and they know it. It's different when you get someone who knows that they're doing bad things and they just don't care. Okay. And back to James Fallon. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody sent you that video. And I guess the premise was whether he was faking being a psychopath or he was faking the brain scan that showed him as a psychopath. What was the premise? Uh. Actually, it was quite a few requests on that one. It was more than that. It was both. They wanted both questions answered. Was he faking it? And is he really a psychopath? Well, yeah, he did something pretty weird. And I'm looking at him. He faked it. How? I'm, I don't know. I just know there's some deception in whatever that is. It's like looking in the window and the picture is cloudy. Okay. You see little lights that tell you, Something's not right. And then you hear something that happens at the same time of these lights and they don't match. Okay. That that fits with a lot of um, folks I've had like Chase Hughes. You're not looking for deception. You're looking for a baseline. Yeah. So the normalcy, if you can, 
And is that part of the reason you turn away a lot of work is because you don't have enough video or it's jump cut to death or there's, you can't really get enough time to see before and after to have an idea of whether to get a baseline. Yeah. Some people, well, some of them, you know, I've just watched him so many times like Trump, you you watch him all the time, but for him, because all he was, was on that one show, I looked at it and I could see more than just one emotion. I look, I look for more than one emotion. And you have to see the transition because the transition will help you see, even if it's some other random emotion to another emotion that I never saw before, the transition will be the same. Okay. That will always be the same. That's their baseline, the transition. Now, this is James still we're talking about, right? Yeah. Problem is, well, he's claiming to be a psychopath. That's got to throw a wrench into things because if he's a psychopath, well, he's going to act well, well at a minimum narcissistic. Yeah, you know what? I, I took psycho- psychology and sociology and even some political science when I was in college. And I, they don't really, they've changed their definitions on those terms so often that I've just left it to, that's a psychopath. They've even changed sociopath and psychopath more than I like. You know, you're on the spectrum. It's kind of like autism. Right. There's an autistic spectrum. There's a psychopath spectrum. Well, the weird thing is neither neither one of those is in the DSM-5 anyway. I'm sorry? Neither a psychopath or a sociopath is actually a condition. Borderline personality is, narcissism is. Oh, now it is. Now it is. Psychopath, I don't think it's. No, 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 no. I mean, like, that's how it is now. That's what I mean. They've changed it through the years. And their definitions, when I sit there and look at the new definitions now, because narcissism didn't used to mean what it means today. Like when I looked at it. And we're talking, I'm in my 40s. (laughs) This is a long time ago. So am I. I think I'm a little older than you. Oh. <laughs> but even then I had to go back and look. I was like, why do they keep calling these people narcissists? I was like, oh, new, new definition and more encompassing. Oh, that makes more sense. I just look at it as a spectrum now. They've got an antisocial behavior. Right. And it's against you for them. So you would agree with Joe Navarro's. He lumps them as dangerous personalities. Pretty much. And he, he puts the four in. Um, psychopath, sociopath, uh, narcissist, and um, borderline. Now, they're, they're, they're people that, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be friends with any of them. And they would be the snake <laughs> that I would have in the cage. <laughs> I don't even want you five feet from me. I want you in a cage. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I put the cage in somebody else's house. But, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm weird that way. Okay. So you read him and what did you observe? Well, it's attention seeking. So when I'm looking at him, I see a lot of attention seeking. He's being deceptive when he talks about the scan thing. And that's was like, okay. And then he talks about the kids and the sharks and the boat thing. I'm going, and he was, he got a kick out of it and he enjoyed the audience reaction and the people around him. And then when they chastised him for that, he didn't like it. It's And then it was almost a light of confusion of why they didn't see the humor of, yeah, but I just proved to you I'm a psychopath. 
Okay. So, ironically, in people trying to disprove he's a psychopath, he is showing behavior that proved he probably really was a psychopath. Yeah, but he couldn't prove, and the thing that got me is he couldn't prove the scanning. So I guess not everybody had a scan that looked and says, the scan works. If you're scanned in, then you are a psychopath. And I guess that would be, you know, the bone of contention that you can have, that the scan isn't perfect because it's a spectrum. That's Yeah, that is fascinating. Well, that is a concern, though, too, because he's testified in court and things. And I, I know that those scans have been used in cases. Yeah, well, I don't actually doubt that the scan says that there's something wrong with their mind. But it's kind of like, well, you have autism to the point they drool, they don't speak, and they pretty barely function. And then you've got autism to where they play beautifully the piano, talk with articulate, but their humor is so dry, it's like, I, I don't get it. Where are we at? <laughs> so like the prodigy type. Yeah. So, trying to get my head around everything. What do you do when you're trying to read body language? And now you have some experience, I guess, with, as you put it, mentally, um, I don't know the politically correct term, uh, mentally disabled or handicapped or challenged or whatever is most appropriate is my intention. Um, (laughs) What about someone who is, for example, a paranoid schizophrenic who... When when they are seeing something, they may be actually seeing something, but it may or may not be really there. Well, I look at that, and I guess it depends on what you're really looking for. When I look at those people, seeing them, it's like, well, okay, well, something's wrong. And I can't tell you what's wrong. Body language doesn't allow me to sit there and go, oh, A through B, this is what it is. I can see that this behavior is not normal compared to normal people. And I think that's the other reason I really enjoyed my nursing time of anything was to see so many mentally ill people and realize what not being normal really looks like. So their baseline was different. Yeah. And that gave you experience in seeing a a baseline that's off or doesn't pattern like the rest of us. So then you could um, see what deviations there were from that particular baseline. Right. So they, they just, they did, I don't know what's wrong, but there's something not normal. And you, then you sit there and if they continue to talk and then their body movements, cause it's not like everything is unnormal. You've seen people with ticks, right? Sure. They just tick, tick, tick. Well, my mother had Parkinson's. That, that. And you know that, you know, when someone is afraid, they may shake a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a different shake to the Parkinson's. Sure. Even though it's a shake, well, they're just, they're scared. It, no, it's a different right. shake. And I've been able to see both of them. And I can tell you the differences. It's minute differences, but it's different. Okay. And, during this time, you started up the wait. You quit, and then you started the video channel. I think you had a charming story that you started the channel to show up your kids. I was, I was trying to teach the kids. My kids didn't go through trauma. <laughs> they, they had a nice life, but I was going. I was so frustrated because you know, 
my oldest son, you know, he's getting older and they're dealing with people and then, you know, they're teenagers and it's like, I don't like that kid. And I, I did, I was trying to explain to them why I didn't like the, a certain friend that they had. Do you not see? And then I was like, you know what? I'll start teaching them. I'll start, we'll go on YouTube. There's plenty of videos and we'll start, you know, I'll have like a little class session for them and I was going to teach them. And of course, you know how kids are. That didn't work out quite as well as I thought. <laughs> so you're saying then that your kids never really watched it, but everyone else did. Yeah, they watched it. I was like, I just remember getting back online and where have you been? I, I didn't know I was supposed to be back. <laughs> I was waiting for the boys to watch it and I was going to go do another one. So now what happened with all this? Because I mean, you really blew up. Yeah, it was, it shocked me on how fast it grew. And I'd have to say that the reason why it was is because I was the only one out there. The only one. Well, there, uh, yes. Well, I mean, on YouTube. Janine Driver, well, yeah, there's Janine Driver and there's other people, but I think it's also your particular charm. There, you, you deliver with a, um, a little sugar and a little snark. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's, probably would enjoy and truthfully you do seem to have a conservative um perspective yeah i i just think uh life was a i don't i don't know i guess the line of conservatism and democrats because in all honesty if you were to sit there and look at my political views and what i believe in you'd think i was a democrat from the 90s oh they call them blue dog democrats there you go at one time I mean, I, I believe in a welfare system because not everybody can make it in this world. And I do believe we need to take care of people. At the same time, I believe businesses should, you know, run their business the way they feel it. And at the same time, I don't think you should be discriminating anyone if you're the only pizza place within a hundred miles. Hmm. Okay. So you're definitely all over the map in that. Yeah, pretty much. It's like you you can't really, and that's where I, you know, if I really thought about it, you know, I would vote only in my area and the laws that we pass, I would be happy with even if I lost. I don't care what anybody else does because I'm not the one that has to deal with it or live with it. Well, that's the tip O'Neill. All politics is local. That should be. And we do tend to ignore local politics and worry about what's going on in the Fed. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. But you ran into, okay, so you had your channel, you blew up, and then 2018, what exactly happened? What the hell did I do? I did a David Hogg video, and the sad thing was I was actually defending the kids that were, I say David Hogg, but I was defending the kids because it was all the high school kids. It wasn't just David Hogg. What what exactly? I mean... it was the, the shooting at the, Parkland? I don't remember the name of the school. Parkland. Parkland. And I was saying, these are kids. Kids are immature. So they stress smile when they're stressed. And that's what you're seeing. Because everybody was saying, oh, they're laughing and smiling. Well, one, they're not laughing. They are smiling because they're stressed, because they're children. And that's what children mm. do. Okay. And um, I got to David Hogg, and I was like, he's in portrayal. There's your future politician right there. I, I wasn't actually completely nasty to him. I was just sitting there thinking, 
something really wrong with that one because his brain is too mature to be with the children. So he's too calculated. With the children, period. I was just mean he they've lumped him as a high schooler and he's way more mature than they are. No, oh, okay. And I found that off. And then all of a sudden it was I got a strike for him. I got a strike for a video that had been struck and had been put back up because they said it it was fine. And then they struck it again. And then a strike for another video that had been up there for quite a while. It's like, what's going on? And they just kept taking David Hogg down. It was like, I kept fighting and kept appealing until they finally got me off. And so they shut down your whole YouTube channel. Shut it all down. And, that had to actually be a loss because you were big enough to be pulling monetization out of there. Yeah, that was, I think we, I almost had, almost had 300,000. I don't remember the number anymore. My partner opened a YouTube channel later and I was, I was wondering, what are you doing? He was in UK at the time he's here now. And mm. he's, Oh, I, I opened the YouTube channel. I didn't want to tell you. I was like, Oh, he's, do you care? No. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's body ghost or something like that, right? Yeah, body language ghost. I was like, well, good luck. <laughs> if you get to keep it up, good luck. So, okay, so then you moved. Did Were you already building your own site and your own infrastructure at that time? Yeah, pretty much as soon as the strike started happening and we were looking around at everybody else who was getting flagged and taken down, it was like, we need contingency plans now. Now, um, I will say you probably maybe brought a little bit more um, fire towards you. You appeared with Milo. Yeah. I like that? him. I do. I, I, I don't like some of the people he hangs out with, but I do like him. One thing I noticed, I went to watch that video and it doesn't exist. Really? Or the podcast. Only the little short segment. But when I went to find the podcast appearance... The day after is there, the day before is there, but that day is gone. Probably. I'm not a big friend with um, his individual friends. Roger Stone. <laughs> I, I don't like him. Okay. Well, he'll be in prison soon. Thank God. So you know Roger Stone? First. I don't know him. I just, I've watched him enough. I don't like him. He's got this telltale signs of that snake that needs to be in a cage, thrown down a hole, and the key never found. Okay. So uh, are do you hang out in right-wing circles or you just kind of got We are on our own. We don't hang out with anyone. We don't hang out with the left. We don't hang out with the right. We hang out with our neighbors. <laughs> That's who we hang out with. To me, you know, you put yourself in those circles and that's all you talk talk about, then you limit your own thoughts. It's it's a it's a small world to be limited that way. I mean, if well, you were to sit cool. there and go find out who I hang out with, we don't hang out with anyone in Oklahoma because we're, we're leaving. But I just, shh, like I'm going to, it's a big secret. But, <laughs> but, you know, it would be the Garden Club or the, the Beekeepers Association. I'm, we're just normal people. Okay, well, that's good. I'm, I'm really glad I got the opportunity to find out. Okay, one, your politics seem to be all over the map and not necessarily one specific direction. You seem to be more worried about, I don't know if I say big picture things. Yeah, I worry about, you know, down the road. I worry about 
where, not necessarily where the country's going, but you know, because you know what big government does in the end, the little guy really doesn't feel that much unless it's economics. Cause you know, what are you going to do? Like you almost come off as a mom. Oh shit. Where'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mandy, this has been fantastic. It's great to, I mean, learn a bit about you. You've been sort of a mystery out there for those of us who dare and want to learn more. Where can we find out? Well, you can call me, you can call me, you can email me on my site, Mandy at bombardsbodylanguage.com. Or you just go to my site, bombardsbodylanguage.com. I'm there. Or the YouTube is so many like to go to the ghost. He tells me everything anyways. But they're shortened videos, so you get the they're longer short. videos on your site, right? Yeah. He's he's protective of his YouTube. <laughs> well, no, that's good. So then they need to go to the site if they want to see the full video, right? Yes, they do. Well, fantastic. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com. And there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. What do you have when you want to combine two words because you're too lazy to spit them both out? A portmanteau with Eric Hundley. Brexit, Benefer, Brangelina, Infotainment, Infomercial, and Podcast. What do these all have in common? Well, they're portmanteaus, sometimes called Frankenwords. These were first used by Lewis Carroll in Through the Looking Glass, and we are surrounded by them everywhere we look. This new show, Portmanteau, will cover a new portmanteau every episode. They'll be short and look into the history of the word of the day. These may be well-known, or they may be brand new. They may even be suggested by you. Be sure to subscribe today and join in on the fun. Mr. Hayes' office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to A Mr. A fish Hayes? surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing The Diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea. I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? 
I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Thank mm-hmm. you.